It is Advent. It is uh, the time of year, as you can probably tell, I, I like this time of year. It's, it's, um, I, I've come to terms with the, the Christmassiness of it and the, the speed of it and all of that, and, and I enjoy this, even though it does get busy around the church during this season. It's also a time of breathing a little bit and kind of going, okay, where is Jesus in the midst of my Christmas? And so you're going to hear a lot about that over the course of the next few weeks as we celebrate this season of Advent. Our passage today is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's Paul's introduction uh, to, the, to the church at Corinth. And it reads, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Did you know that you're a saint? Did you know that? That if Paul were writing this letter and it were, and it were coming to us here at Arbor Point, that he would not change that word. He wouldn't say to the sinners at Arbor Point. How many of us identify a sinner instead of saint? Are we sinners? Are we saints? Welcome to Christianity. <laughs> we live in a tension in the church that we seek to avoid. Embrace it. Embrace it. Yes, we're sinners. And yes, we're saints. God sees us through the cross of Jesus Christ. He sees us through what Jesus did. And we wrestle with that flesh part of us and it drags us into sin. But don't let your only identity, I guess is my thing this morning, right now, because it's not really part of my message. <laughs> I guess it is now, isn't it? <laughs> don't let your primary identity be sinner. Please. Jesus went to the cross. This whole season is about what he did for us so that you could identify as saint, so that you could identify as more than just the mistakes that we make, but as the redeemed that we are. Will you say that with me? I am not identified by the mistakes that I make, but by the redeemed that I am. It's a powerful distinction and important in this season. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you are enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful, by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. See, our text, this text this morning, makes a really strong connection between the use and power of spiritual gifts now and the waiting of the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will strengthen you in the end. We're given the strength we have, the goodness of our fellowship, the gifts that each of us bring to the table that we can use in ministry, and the hope that we have in Christ, so that we'll be ready for Christ's final appearing. Now I'm going to use some theological terms that, 
that you may or may not be familiar with, but Paul makes no separation of, between ecclesiology, which is the nature of the church now, and eschatology, which is the end of all things. Rather, his eschatology, that end view, drives his missiology, what we're to do now, which drives his ecclesiology. Got it? That's going to be on the test. Here's the deal. Hope, the hope we have drives our actions, right? Drives our actions in being the church today. And that will move us into our mission. We are to be a movement in community. And that will carry us to the end times. It's who we are. It's our identity. It's why it's important that we're not just sinners. We're also saints. Both and. Live as a saint in this world. Lord knows that does this world need saints. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> we need saints in this world. We need people who are willing to step out and make a difference in the name of Jesus Christ. And Advent comes from a word, advenir, which means to, to draw near to, to come, to approach. This season of Advent reminds us that Jesus came, but that he's also coming. He's both and at once the reigning and the coming Lord. It's not an either or. It's not that he's just been here or that he is coming. He has both been here before and is coming again later. And we don't know when that is, but it's coming. He's coming. He loves us that much. He loves you that much. It's the hope that we have. We grab hold of that hope and we live that out. That's what drives us in the church. It's what moves us in the church. If you have that hope, you want to tell people about this Jesus. Got to tell them. You don't even, you have to. You have to. You want to tell your family around the table, man, look what Jesus did today. Beth Fulmer, she's not here today. When I talked to her on the phone after her major surgery, and she said, look, I'm going to have my husband go back to work because I'm doing great. And I just, I walked out to the mailbox and, a, and, and I met a neighbor out there and I had to tell her that this is not possible. I had major surgery and I'm out at the mailbox talking to you. This can't happen. I'm supposed to be in the house. And she wasn't. It's not possible. That's what Jesus does. That's what, when we grab hold of that, that hope. Hope. Wow, that's a lot of hope up there, isn't it? Faith, Jesus, Messiah, King, peace, anointed, grace, love. Freedom. Savior. Lord. I love Jesus. Jesus is awesome. He had me do a lot of stuff in my life. Left a lot of stuff behind. Taking me to impossible places. And he's doing that in your life too. And I know that. Let's live that. See, this season of Advent is when we recognize Christ. He is our Messiah. He is our Savior. And we love that about him. You know what else he is though? Lord. And that's harder. I love that he saved me. I don't necessarily love that he wants to be Lord of all of my life. As in all. And I struggle with that sometimes. 
and I know you do too. It's okay to struggle. Tension. Savior and Lord. There's a tension in that that we need to be living into and wrestling with. But there is such great hope. He accomplishes the impossible. And I wanted to look at, a, at a, probably a familiar Christmas story, but I wanted to take a little bit of time with it. It's in the Gospel of Luke, and it's two guys named Zacharias and Elizabeth. This is Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. In the ancient times, when, when before Jesus transformed what we understand about the church, they had a temple. And in the temple, there were those who were servants. They were the priests. The 12 tribes of Israel were split up. There were 11 that actually got land and were spread out through the land. And there was one tribe whose their role was to take care of the temple. That tribe was the tribe of Levi. And that's when you hear the word Levites, that's, they're speaking about that tribe that's job is to take care of the temple. So Zacharias and Elizabeth are both from this lineage. One is of the order of Abijah, and the other is from Aaron's line. Elizabeth is actually from Aaron's line. But these are both coming from a priestly line. In verse 6, they were both righteous before the Lord, walking in all the commandments and order, ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. In that day, being barren was seen as a curse. So the reason that this passage is so critical is that they, they were both righteous before God. Because the people would have looked at Elizabeth and said, what did you do wrong that you can't have kids? And further, Zacharias and Elizabeth would have gone, what did we do wrong that we're not able to have kids? Because barrenness was, was not a, you know, something that just happened. It was because they, they were cursed by God. Verse 8, so it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division. And before... You guys can, can read, right? It's, you know, he's in there and he's burning incense and he's doing his thing. Put yourself in, in his place while this is going on. I'm up in the temple. I'm lighting my candle, right, Harold? Light, lighting my candle. Doing my thing. And an angel shows up. What would you do? What would it be like for Zacharias in that moment? We go on, verse 13. The angel said to him, don't be afraid, because he was probably afraid, right? He was up there going, okay, I'm just doing my thing, and then an angel shows up. Ah! <laughs> don't be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayers have been heard. And then he pronounces John the Baptist and what's going to happen going forward. So Zacharias is probably going, man, 
I'm glad you didn't strike me dead because obviously I've been doing something wrong because I didn't have kids and now I'm going to have kids. But wait a minute, I'm not supposed to have kids because I must have done something wrong, but I didn't do anything wrong because now I'm going to have kids, so now it's okay, but it wasn't. What is going on right now? It's confusing for Zechariah. Trying to figure this out. And further, now the angel says, not only that, you're going to have this kid who's not going to drink wine or any, anything like that, and he is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. He's going to be a special young man. He's not going to be just a regular kid. And Zechariah probably went, okay, time out. That can't be right. How shall I know this? I'm an old man. Verse 18. My wife is well advanced in years. This can't happen. The angel said, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you didn't believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. As we enter this season of Advent, we need to be aware that though we can indeed choose anything we want, we can choose to believe, we can choose not to believe, we can choose to honor God in the places where we are at work or at school or, or wherever it is, at home, or not. But the choices that we make do have consequences to them, and we're not freed from the consequences of those choices. And that's what happened here for Zechariah. He was struck mute for his unbelief. You might go, well, that's a punishment. I think it was a discipline. Because the story changes down the road for him. And it was important for him to go through this. You probably know this, but faith is hard sometimes. Right? Faith is hard sometimes. It doesn't always come easy. We do question and we have doubts and we wonder, where are you, God, in the midst of this? I mean, the Collins are going through with Graham right now. I'm sure any time that our kids or our grandkids get sick, we go, what is going on here? Why? Faith is hard. But those hard times are important for us on our journey. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. He said, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. When. Not if. When we run into problems and trials, because we're going to. Zechariah's great example of this. He ran into some trouble. But problems and trials help us develop endurance. 
Endurance develops strength of character. And strength of character gives us our hope of salvation. We can be confident in that. And that's a hope that doesn't lead to disappointment. That hope does not lead to disappointment. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He made us saints. Oh, that's not on there. But As we celebrate the lighting of the candle of hope on this Advent Sunday, we recognize that hope doesn't always come easily. Sometimes we have to struggle and we have to work to get to there. It's, it's hard won. And it was with Zechariah's. Verse 21, the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. It took him a while to get the message from the angel, apparently. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They perceived that he had seen a vision, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service was completed, that he departed to his house. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Elizabeth had felt guilt because she was barren. See, it meant disfavor from God in the eyes of the people. She hid herself away because of that reproach. It's very sad. It makes me sad to think that this joyous event just enhanced her guilt. Of course, then Mary shows up. And Elizabeth was pretty miraculous, but Mary, that was impossible, right? Verse 39, Mary went to the hill country with haste and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And told Mary, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Reproach, hiding away, to proclamation. That's Elizabeth. She's now proclaiming who Jesus is. You ever felt that sense of guilt and shame in your life? That place where you were hiding something? You didn't want anybody to know about it. And God took you from there to a new place place where you had to tell people about who he was. That's what happens here with Elizabeth. She moves from that place of, 
of I don't know what to do with this to this place of God is good. God is moving. God is powerful. <coughs> then John was born. And in verse 59, on the eighth day, they took him to circumcise, to be circumcised. And they asked if he should be called Zacharias after his father. And she said, no, he's going to be called John. And they had a little problem with that. Because there was nobody in the family named John. And back then, if you, you, know, you had to maintain family names. So, so you can't call him John. And of course, Zacharias can't speak because he's over here going... So they give him a tablet or, or, or something to write on. And he says, no, it's really going to be John. And they all marveled, and immediately his mouth was opened, and he was able to talk. And I bet he went into a sermon like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> He'd been holding back for a month. He's <laughs> months, actually. He's like, i, I got to tell people about what happened in the temple. Think about that. He'd had this experience in the temple, and he couldn't tell anybody about it. So, and, he, and, he, and he's a preacher. So you know that he wanted to get out there and tell people. He wanted to get out there and tell them, here's what happened. You won't believe it. This angel Gabriel showed up and then he did this. And then it's unbelievable. And then he shut my mouth and I couldn't tell you. I've been going crazy. I needed a laptop or something. If I'd had Facebook, I'd have shared it with the world. Tweeted it to my neighbor. His name is John. Advent, this first Advent for Zacharias and Elizabeth was a time of waiting and expectation for the coming of the Lord. They anticipated it. Yeah, I mean, they, they've been waiting on the Messiah, right? This is, they've been, Israel had been waiting on the Messiah. They just didn't know they were going to be a part of the story. And we today are not so different from them. We're waiting on the Messiah to come back. Verse 67, this is Zacharias' prophecy. Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been here since the world began, that we would be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation. To Israel. They were waiting for their Messiah to come the first time. They were waiting on Jesus. They didn't know they were waiting on Jesus, but they were waiting on Jesus. And Zacharias and Elizabeth unexpectedly became part of the story. 
today, you and I are waiting on the return of Jesus. Amen? We're waiting on his return. Are you part of the story? Might you be part of the story? Is he trying to do something in your life to draw you in to the second come, to draw you in to share this with people? This hope that we have. Might he be calling you? Might he be moving you? Oh, but I'm not important. I'm just fill in the blank. I'm not special. I would imagine that if You'd have asked Zacharias and Elizabeth, are you going to be part of the advent of Jesus the Christ? They would have said, not us. We can't even have kids. We're cursed by God. And who did he use? Zacharias and Elizabeth. We are a people of hope. Do you know that? People of hope. Are you carrying that with you? The places that you go? There is nothing you have done in your life that can make God love you more or love you less. Nothing. There is nothing you can do to earn God's love. You who you are in the place that you are is enough. God. He wants to meet you in that place. Live there with you and move you closer to him. Be you for him. That's our hope. That's what we celebrate in this season. Just don't want you to walk out of here without knowing how much he loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you more than life itself. Do you believe that? Yeah. Here at Arbor Point, we want to invite people into that relationship with Jesus Christ and connect in a way in, in, in ways that enhance your, your growth in, in your faith. We want to reach into this community of ours. We want to be used by God in, in powerful ways in this community.
you're new with us, I hope that you keep coming back because I, I, I think that you have some gifts and some graces that will be powerful in his name in this place and in this community. If you've been kind of wandering a little bit going, I'm not sure that he can use me, he can. He will. He is the bringer of all good things. So as we close with song today, grab hold of what he has given to you, the gifts that he has given to you, This week, pray about what that means in your life. Where is it that he's calling you to? But please know that it's not about earning anything. We follow and we seek because he loves us and we love him. He loves you completely where you are.